National Counties Cricket Association podcast with Jim Law and Richard Lundberg. Bedfordshire, Berkshire, Buckinghamshire, Cambridgeshire, Cheshire, Cornwall, Cumbria, Devon, Dorset, Herefordshire, the NCCA podcast, Hertfordshire, Lincolnshire, Norfolk, Northumberland, Oxfordshire, Shropshire, Staffordshire, Suffolk, Wales National Counties, Wiltshire. We've got National Counties Cricket covered. So, Law and Logie back on the NCCA podcast. Uh, we've had the time to draw breath just about, I think, Rich. It's been a, a busy couple of weeks with uh, some big finals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had the Wormsley final a couple of weeks ago now, uh, and we've just finished the championship final that finished on Wednesday. So we didn't do anything last week because we were kind of in the midst of it. Um, we wanted to make sure that we could give a good overview of both finals, really. And obviously, only having a couple of games to review, um, we wanted to put them together and we can kind of finalise everything with regards to the MVP. Uh, talk a little bit about the upcoming uh, ECC tournament and just kind of just have a bit of a review and a, and a, uh, a look back on, on a, what has been a pretty successful successful year, in my opinion. Very much so. Um, it seems a long time ago, actually, Wormsley now, doesn't it? But because it, it, it wasn't, uh, should we uh, should we have a little look at that first of all? Which was the same game as it has been the last three times. Yeah, absolutely. So it was Cumbria versus Berkshire, uh, and like you say, it's been the the previous two finals were the same. Uh, the outcome was Berkshire had won those games, so we were uh, no doubt as a neutral, maybe hopeful to see Cumbria come through this one. Um, but yeah, just before we get onto the game, a, a massive thanks to everybody at Wormsley. It's a it's a tremendous venue, and you've been there the last couple of years as well, coming down and you've done a bit of work for us on the microphone. So thank you for doing that as well. But um, yeah, the guys there uh, have done a fantastic job in hosting us for the last few years, and it, and it really is a great place to go, and it's a really sort of makes our one day final into a really sort of marquee event that it is. Um, we had huge support. There was over 600 people there um, and hopefully everyone had a great day. The weather was brilliant uh, and, the, and the cricket was pretty good as well. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to start by saying thank you to everybody involved in that. Um, so on to the cricket. Um, Cumbria batted first uh, and looked to be going, um, looking... Well, they looked like they were going to get up to a 300 at one stage because they started brilliantly. Um, they had a 100 run first wicket partnership between Sam Dutton and Ben Walton. Um, but unfortunately, it kind of petered out a little bit. Uh, and in their 50 overs, they ended up 227 for eight. Uh, like I said, Sam and Ben started off very well. Sam Dutton finished with 67. He'd certainly come into a bit of form towards the back end of the year. And Ben Walton ended up on 64. Um, Marcus Stables also added 36. He came in just after those guys. Um, but like I said, as it did, it kind of petered out a little bit. Uh, and they were all out for two, uh, sorry, 227 for eight in their 50, 50 overs. Uh, Andy Rishton opening the bowling took two for 40. But really, the thing that stunted that... Um, that sort of step forward into 250, 300 total was the was the Berkshire spinners. Ewan Woods took two for 44 and Jaffa Chohan uh, two for 57. So probably 20 or 30 at least under par, but you never know in finals. Um, however, Berkshire do have, um, they do have confidence going into this and they do have uh, experience in winning finals and that experience played through in this one. Uh, they only took 39 overs to knock off the runs finishing 231 for five. Um, there was a 135-run partnership between Ewan Woods and Jack Davis that kind of really sealed the deal for Berkshire. Uh, Ewan Woods finished on 84 and Jack Davis on 64. Uh, from a Cumbrian perspective, bowling, Michael Slack bowled a really nice first spell. He bowled his 10 overs, uh, two for 37, and Nico also took two for 50 in that as well. Um, but yeah, it, in the end... It, not that it was comfortable, but they, they got there with a few overs to spare uh, and only five wickets down. So three out of three for Berkshire and no doubt everybody now will be gunning for them next year <laughs> in that one-day one competition as they have been, I suppose, for the last couple of years as well. But uh, a big congratulations to Berkshire um, on a third successive win in that. And, and it was a it was a pretty, uh, pretty ruthless performance, really, wasn't it? Obviously, you were there. Um, it, it seemed that way towards the sort of back end of that innings. Yes, it did. As you say, they, they went off like a train, really, didn't they, Cumbria at the start? But uh, you kind of felt that the spinners would be pretty, pretty crucial in what happened there. And they, they, they really looked as if they were, they were, and they are, a well-drilled unit, aren't they, Berkshire? It was, uh, it was, it was ruthless in the, in the end, I think. Yeah, it was. Um, 
But I must say congratulations to Cumbria getting to three finals on the trot. And I, and I know this isn't much uh, consolation for them, having uh, having spoken to a lot of their lads after it. Um, but the, it's a really it's a really fine effort getting to um, getting to a final three three years on the trot. And I know that they've been through a bit of a transition over the last few years mm. and actually created a lot of their uh, own players from Cumbria. And they're full of Cumbrian lads, which is great to see. Uh, and to be able to retain that sort of success on getting to a final, like I say, it won't be much consolation for them, no doubt, but it still really is a great performance to get to, to three finals on the trot. Yeah, very, very much so, very much so. Uh, I'll tell you one thing as well, Richard, about, you were talking about Wormsley being a fantastic venue. It's that moment when the two red kites descended over the ground. I don't know if you saw that, but it was, uh, it was immaculate, fantastic. Yeah, no, it really, we would luckily had a little bit of rain, I think, the week before as well. So uh, the outfield that was, by all accounts, a little bit beige, um, got a little bit of lushness back and it really did look uh, look, look uh, as pretty as a picture. And, and like I said, from an organisational point of view, there's a lot that goes into those finals and, and uh, it's made very made my life very easy to work with people who are, um, yeah, very, very helpful and very professional as well. So, yeah, uh, it's... Um, it's a great place to go and it's a really sort of fitting place for us to finish that tournament. Yeah. Okay, so that was one good day for Berkshire. Um, after the game, I caught up with the two skippers. First of all, the losing skipper, Michael Slack, and then with Dan Lincoln from Berkshire. Well, Michael, uh, commiserations with that. We stood here last year with, with, with Gary, uh, not to be, but a uh, decent game today. Uh, yeah, in a way, I suppose. <laughs> I don't know if it's decent from our part, but... Um, but it was a great start. No, it was a great start. We were really happy with the start. Um, however, middle order didn't fire and the innings kind of just dwindled and we were maybe, what, 40, 40, 50 yeah, runs short, we thought personally. But um plan was early wickets, two or three in the first ten, which we've done. Um, but we've managed to kick on, which is a shame. But uh, a decent performance. I mean, you must be fed up the side of Berkshire, I guess. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's... It's been tough, I don't know which one's been the worst. Obviously the first one was by a run, second time was an absolute ease. Um, but no, they're, they're a decent side, you've, you've got some fantastic players. However, I do feel we can beat them. I don't think they're unbeatable or anything like that. So we'll come back next year and if we come across them again, we, we go one further. But I mean, 142 for one, it was looking uh, looking looking pretty promising. That was, a, that was a great partnership and just sort of fell away a little bit, as you say, in the middle. Yeah, like I say, middle order didn't fire. Um, I thought their spinners balled well, the leggy. He's um, he's bowled well, and yeah, if, if you get a start like that, you need to be able to look towards two eighty, which we haven't managed to do. A couple of early wickets, so I mean, you were you were kind of back in it, and then of course you and batted so well. No, that's the that was the idea. Early wickets, um, two or three in the first ten, but then we need to back it up, and they've um, they've batted well. Prepared both and both lefties batted very well. Cumbria overall, I mean, you've uh, you're always there or thereabouts. A good season, good season for you, obviously. A good season for the club. Um, yeah, no, no, no. We've um, happy with the the. Um, well, we had a little chat at the end saying how drivers should be able to get here three years and a bounce. Isn't yeah. a, I mean achievement? It's, it's it's a great achievement. However, we're not we don't need to get content with coming second. We we know we can win the competition. We don't become like a thing that we turn up expecting to lose. Nothing like that. Um, so yeah, so next year we fire up and we go again and we go one further. Well, we wish you all the luck for next year, matey. Thank you very much. Well done. Cheers. Thank you. The NCCA podcast. Dan, I suggest that's not a bad week for uh, Berkshire County Cricket Club. Yeah, it's been a great week. Um, we've been planning that since middle of January, I reckon. Um, it's been a good week and we'll attach another week and hopefully down, uh, up in West Brom we'll, uh, we'll add to what we've done the last 10 days or so. And I know it's old ground, but uh, you kind of reinvented Berkshire again, haven't you, with, uh, with one or two old faces moving on? Um, to an extent, I wouldn't say we've reinvented it. Um, I say we've altered things a little bit. We've given the lads a lot of rope to actually go and find themselves, be brave, intelligent, intelligent at times, but be really brave. Work out what your game is, go above and beyond. If it goes wrong, it goes wrong. Like We're all here to A, improve and B, enjoy ourselves. At the end of the day, it's a Sunday afternoon. If you're going to get really worked up about it and get nervous and struggle as, as a bloke like you're in the wrong you're in the wrong place aren't you so we're here to enjoy our cricket and I think being brave and enjoying it comes hand in hand and you see good results sure uh, and today's game of course um, Cumbria got off to do a flyer there yeah they did they batted nicely um, 
I think it got to a point where we brought our spinners on and actually we realised we were dragging it back nicely. I think they had a good game plan to come out and use the power play well. We've noticed a lot of sides this year. Um, the games were, have been a little bit tighter and when we lost at Cornwall away, um, sides did come out heavy and attack the seamers in the power play. So that was a good plan from them. Um, I thought we dragged it back nicely. We were always a couple of wickets away with a load of pressure to actually a few clusters and actually dragging it back nicely. Um, but to start with, I thought they were very, very good. They had some good plans. Um, and towards the back end, I think looking at the bowling attack we've got, um, I might be a little bit biased because it's my bowling <laughs> attack, but you've got a leg spinner, you've got two left arm off spinners, you've got a right arm off spinner, and you've probably got two of the best seamers up and down the country. Um, two of the best seamers that have ever played with Berkshire for sure in um, Rishton and Nugent. The bowling attack's phenomenal, I wouldn't really want to face it to be honest. And I know at any stage someone can have an off day or two can have an off day, you've still got another 50 overs off of bowlers to get through, and it, it must be quite daunting for other sides. But then you batted, of course, and uh, a couple of hiccups early on. We thought, uh, looking on, that perhaps uh, the score was uh, two two seven was under par, which I guess would be fair to say. But uh, of course, when you were two down early on, maybe you looked at it slightly differently. Um, yeah, we had a few chats this morning, and obviously Lambo in my ear, and a few of the senior guys was kind of go back to basics, get a score on the board, and defend that. We've done that in the past. We've won, and. I think we've torn up the playbook a little bit this year. That was the idea back in January. And actually, it was a little bit moist this morning. Um, you could get a fingernail into the pitch. Um, it looked like there was a little bit of grass on it. I thought, you know what, if it's going to get anything today, we're going to get it out of Nugent and Rishton first thing. And there was a couple of half chances. The ball landed either side, but we stuck to our task. Um, but a, a big part of it is we thought that the pitch was going to get better. It was a little bit too paced at times, but it, it got better throughout the day. I think that was quite clear to see. And what a great partnership. From Dave Owen, Woodsy was excellent. Obviously, they've spent a few years batting together at Henley. Um, the boys this year really know that their game's inside out. They know when to be brave and what risks to take. Um, I think today was a little bit more conservative from the boys, for sure. Um, but you're still hitting strong shots, running well between the wickets. It'll be interesting to see the boundary count of the game. Um, but it was great to watch. The, they looked like they had it in control the whole time. It looked like we were going to do it two down. We ended up, what was it, four or five down in the end. It was kind of like a matter of fact. It was a professional performance. And you're pretty keen on that cup, aren't you? Yeah, we've won it a few <laughs> times now. It was it was definitely something that I set out to win immediately with um, with Lambo um, back in the winter. Um, it was a tall order to follow Jimmy as skipper and obviously Rich for a year or two with Jimmy's injury. Um, and a few of the guys moving on. It was definitely a tall order. And we said at the start of the the start of the winter that actually this team is here to develop. There's been guys in our team that play first-class cricket. There's guys that are playing first-class cricket that we're able to call back because they're our boys, which is brilliant. Um, and pretty much to a man, everyone is currently playing second-team cricket or is trying to get into that circle. And if we can get one or two sign of the back in the next year, 18 months, that is the job of NCCA cricket, I think. I think Logues is a massive advocate for that. Um, and we just said, look, if we can get one or two on board, we've done our job. That's the idea of it. Um, and obviously the more you're investing, the more you're improving with them, actually it's only going to help you guys on the pitch, isn't it? Um, but I did earmark this and said, look, I think this is the strongest competition. Um, obviously three-day cricket, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, um, with the way it's worked in the last couple of years, obviously school teachers can get time off in bits and pieces. Um, and the T20 comp was great this year, obviously, but without a year or two of that playing it, we weren't quite sure what to expect. But history says that this is the strongest comp, and I kind of laid the laid the mat out quite early and said that this is the one we want to win if possible and it got to a point today where actually it was in the bag I reckon about three quarters of the way through so it was quite a nice feeling. You can uh, regroup now and get ready for that four day final. Do you know much about Lincolnshire? Um, we've played them what 2019 and beforehand for a few years. Um, they're a very good side. Um, looking at a few of the guys this year um, they're very strong again to get the result they did last week to bat out for the day was an exceptional exceptional result good effort from them um, so we won't be taking them lightly at all I think if anyone gets to any stage of any kind of final they're not to be underestimated they're a good side so it's good uh, all the NCCA stuff and the live streaming bits and pieces enables us to do a little bit of background a little bit of research um, which if it's good enough for guys above our level then we should be doing it too and we've spent a lot of time doing that this year um, so you are able to get a bit of a head start if you're willing to put a few extra hours in and we do try and go above and beyond but uh, like I say we've got one more to go um, and if we manage to get over the line there then I'll have a little rest but tonight we'll enjoy but firmly focused on next week already and no football between now and then 
Well, I was meant to. I was meant to play yesterday at Solihull. Um, I was meant to play tomorrow against Boreham Wood, but I've had a couple of back spasms in the last week or so, and probably a little bit of burnout trying to balance both. Um, but I haven't been fit enough to play. Um, in that, it's a little bit quicker tempo than, than the cricket. <laughs> uh, having said that, by the end of the day today, I was really feeling my back again. Um, so we'll have to kind of see how we go ready for next week. NCCA reviews and previews. More and Logan on the NCCA pod. So there we go. Uh, not a bad, uh, not a bad week that for Berkshire, was it? Because the uh, the Sunday before, of course, they clinched the Western Division Championship. They had indeed, um, which meant they played in the Championship final that was uh, last Sunday. Um, it's a it's a it's a three day game, but over four days uh, because if there's any weather around, then we make sure that we we don't lose too much of the game to to the weather. Um, and obviously, previous to that, Lincolnshire had won the Eastern Division one title as well, so they were going to be their opponents. Of which I know that that's a, a relatively uh, common fixture as well, Lincolnshire versus Berkshire. Um, and unfortunately, uh, the weather did play a big part. Um, we can't do anything about it. However, that doesn't make it any more less uh, any sorry any less frustrating than than uh, than it was this week. Um, however, again, before we get into the cricket, I must say a huge, huge thank you to West Bromwich Dartmouth who hosted the game. Um, they probably weren't uh, expecting the volume of work that they had, especially uh, Andy Cartwright and his ground staff, because. They were on and off and mopping up and on and off and mopping up again. And, and they really did a fantastic work to get in as much cricket as we did, which wasn't a huge amount, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, a big thanks to them. Big thanks to Richard Cox and the rest of the team there because um, they all did a fantastic job um, from, from the ground to the catering to hosting and everything. So yeah, a massive thanks to them. Um, but yeah, the cricket, unfortunately, was badly affected by the weather. However, um, as we spoke to all the captains and the umpires and the coaches before the game, we if we do get two first innings completed in a championship final, then it does go down to that first innings victory. Uh, we were hoping that wasn't going to be the case, but it did turn out that way. However, it, uh, it, it did offer a, a compelling uh, spell of cricket um, for, for about an hour uh, on one of the days. So just getting into the cricket... Um, Lincolnshire batted first and it was a, it was a toss I think that everybody wanted to lose because they didn't quite know what to do. Um, the wicket looked really, really good uh, and, and subsequently played fantastically well. It had pace, it had bounce, it did a little bit with a new ball but it didn't do too much uh, and it ended up being relatively good to bat on. But yeah, it was uh, it was a fantastic wicket. Lynx did bat first um, and they got bowled out for 176 in 41 overs. Um, Looking at that from the outside, you probably think it's quite a low total, but actually I think it was it was okay. It was all right and it was quite competitive. Um, they were 51 for five. Um, so Nick Keyes coming in down the order at number eight and scoring 38, which was their top score, was a really key effort. He was supported by Dan Freeman, 28 runs, Jordan Cook, who got 35, and Mark Footy, who came in and smacked a few at the end, who got 23, got them up to that 176, which actually turned out to be quite a tricky total. Um Tom Nugent was definitely the lead bowler for Berkshire. He bowled with pace. He bowled consistently. He bowled a horrible length to face uh, and bowled 15 overs, six for 66. Um, he was supported by Luke Bevan, who took a couple of wickets as well. He finished with two for 30. But yeah, it kind of left us um, with, I think we, looking back now, we, we, we played with, we played 30 or 40 overs on that first day. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, Berkshire went into bat. Um, uh, 134 for six. Um, I think that was the end of the second day. We were really in a in quite a, an interesting position because I think everybody kind of knew with the forecast that was around, the fact that we'd already lost time out of the game, it was almost certainly going to go down to a first innings uh, game. So we, we were waiting to try and get on. We knew that we probably only needed an hour because Lincolnshire ultimately needed four wickets and Berkshire needed um, 35 runs, I think it was, because they were just slightly less than um, the, the total I've got here with 134 for six, which is what they ended up being. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it, it, we, were, we were kind of waiting. We were desperate to get on for that sort of hour or, uh, and it was going to be a, a really compelling hour, and, and that it was. Um, 
Berkshire ended up getting through there, um, and thanks massively to a, a great innings by Ewan Woods. Um, and Berkshire ended up being bowled out for 310, so obviously they got well past the Lincolnshire guys in the end. Uh, Ewan Woods finished on 129. He was very ably supported by Dan O'Driscoll, who finished with 57, batting down at number eight. They put on 117 for that partnership, and then Tom Nugent added to his six for with a nice 33 not out. Uh, just to really sort of cap things off and get a, a, a nice lead for, for Berkshire. Uh, Mark Footick, Curtis Free and James Dobson also all, all took a couple of wickets. And then their other four bowlers in Ben Wright, Jordan Cook, uh, Nick Keast and Dan Freeman all took a wicket each as well for, for Lincolnshire. But as I said, the, there was lots of rain around. The, the, the ground had already taken a lot of uh, weather anyway, uh, and a lot of rain, sorry. And, and it, uh, we managed to get on a little bit, but Lincolnshire uh, progressed, their t- progressed their second innings to 65 for one off 15 overs. Jack Timby scored 33 of those and was not out. Uh, and Tom, Tom Nugent got that one wicket. But at that stage, the rain came again um, and it was going to take uh, too long to get the covers off and, and do the ground. So ultimately, the game kind of petered out into what was... Um, what would have been a draw, but obviously with the rules and the regulations in place, it meant we went back to that first innings. Um, and obviously Berkshire, having got comfortably past links in the end, took the title and a, and a champions in uh, in the three-day game as well. Yeah, very frustrating when you think that we've had such a good summer, really, uh, watching from afar, you know, on, off, on, off. And there's nothing worse, is there, than hanging around. And, and you kind of know what's going to happen, but you just have to get on with it. Yeah, and... I think it was on the third day we got so much more playing than we thought we actually there was a there was a kind of there was a thought we might get through to that last day and we might be able links might be able to get past them and then put some pressure on obviously Berkshire had played against Cheshire not long before and, and had been bowled out for 87 in that last so it, there, there was all these thoughts and the conversations going around but the, the weather forecast for the Wednesday was really the worst out of all the four days um, and unfortunately that that played out we it was wet anyway. Um, we managed to get going, but yeah, the rain came in and and uh, yeah, as we walked across the ground to leave, uh, the, it was very very wet and still raining. So there was just no chance we could. But um, I think even for the game, there were some really really great moments in that final. Um, and yeah, frustrating because we've had such a lovely summer, but I suppose we were due a little bit of rain, and you can't do anything about that. So it's kind of like you just got to make the best of a best of the situation we're in, but. Again, massive congratulations to Lincolnshire. Um, They put in a really good effort in the final. They'd obviously had a really strong year. Uh, And some of their players in particular, uh, a name that springs up for me is, well, two of them, uh, Mark Footit, who took a lot of wickets across all, in in all competitions, and Tom Keast as well, who's who's been a real standout player for them as well. So it's, um, yeah, a frustrating one, but um, yeah, it means that Berkshire have have done the double in in 2022 and, and a big congratulations to them. And they're pretty well coached, aren't they? They are pretty well coached. <laughs> is that a cue? It is indeed. So I'd suggest, Richard, it's not been a bad couple of weeks or so for Tom Lambert, the Berkshire coach. No, it hasn't at all. And, and Tom's joined us. So, uh, Tom, thanks for joining us, mate. Um, I suppose, first of all, congratulations. It's probably uh, a relatively successful summer, in your opinion. Uh, yeah, no, it was. It was awesome. And, and thanks for having me on, guys. Um, yeah, everything went to plan, really. Um, we put a lot of hard work in from uh, about December time. We got everyone together and obviously a bit of a shifting of the guard in terms of in terms of players in and players out. Um, so, yeah, we put a lot of hard work, a lot of thought into it. And we didn't really plan too far ahead from just trying to develop as a squad. And I think as we got halfway through the season, we worked out that we'd probably developed uh to be challengers and then we sort of focused on, on on trying to win two trophies so no it was it was a really good summer so that's a, probably a good place to start actually let's go back to last winter and obviously you had three fairly senior players uh sort of step down or retire however you want to put it when in, in, in Peplo and the two Morris brothers so how did you manage that through the winter and and did you did you sort of earmark people to take their places or to step up into those roles that they sort of um they'd been in for the last couple of years, I suppose? Well, I think the, the planning, the, the sort of expectation that those guys were going to move on has probably been a two-year process, to be honest. We, Luke Bevan came in and joined Chris Peplo in his last couple of summers as a as a clear sort of replacement for Peps. Um, so, yeah, it certainly wasn't done off the cuff. We knew 
James Morris's knee injury was almost certainly going to, to finish his uh, Berkshire career and Richard Morris had sort of let me know relatively early in the summer that this would be his last year so uh, it was well in the know that it was going to happen but there was you know t 2021 we wanted to make sure we finished that well for those guys um, which we did at, at Wormsley but yeah the process of, of, of how we were going to go moving forward was kind of in place but it required a little bit of thought on my part about who's you know this the captaincy was probably the biggest area to look into were we going to try to get a pro in which counties some counties do some counties don't uh, we decided not to do that. We did have a look around, to be fair, and see where there were some options out there. Um, and then, yeah, who was going to take over the leadership role, which wasn't going to be an easy job off the back of what the Morris brothers had done. So, yeah, there was plenty of planning. And, and, and we knew probably from around September at, after the Wormsley final in 21, we knew where we wanted to go with it. It was a case of putting that all together, which probably took a month or two to just rubber stamp everything we wanted to do speak to the players you want to involve from a senior point of view and then start to mould a squad around Dan Lincoln as captain. Yeah, so I was just going to come on to that. So Dan Lincoln, you, you, you selected as captain and he, he's done a pretty good job both as a captain and as a player, I'd say. Yeah, Dan was a, was a very popular choice on my behalf. I got the luxury of obviously taking him out to Spain and making him captain of that side. So we got a two-week period to work together and I was just really impressed with Dan. I think Dan would admit, actually, prior to his captaincy, his performances for Berkshire have been good, but probably not as good as they could be. And, and Dan's the sort of character who's, whose brain is phenomenal in terms of, of what he can do on a cricket field. But he was probably a little left field from what we're used to as Berkshire. We're, we're quite methodical, quite rhythmical. We do things in a certain way and plan A is plan A, whereas Dan was very opposite end of that spectrum. I don't think necessarily that that change in the environment got the best out of Dan. Um, so we certainly shifted hugely towards his way of playing and his way of going about things. And it was a big call to, do we want to shift what works into sort of a different way of playing? And the ultimate answer to that was yes. And, uh, you know, with, with how we've performed and certainly with how he individually has performed, it looks like it was a, it was a good choice. And it's something that it doesn't just happen over one year, though. This has to happen next year, the year after, the year after to sustain it. But it's been a great start. Yeah, and I suppose you've got to evolve, haven't you? And we've spoken about that quite a bit. And, and one of the things that we've mentioned throughout the summer is how easy or how difficult or how much emphasis teams and individuals put on the transition from white ball cricket or even T20 into white, into the one-day stuff, which is obviously still one uh, white ball stuff, but then into the, the red ball competition. How much of a focus did you put on the transition from competition to competition? Uh, we certainly, we only focused on T20 cricket in the winter. That was it. It was all, we didn't do any Red Bull cricket at all. That was the first tournament we were going to play in. That was going to be the marker of where we were as a side. And we focused heavily on that competition. Uh, we knew then the sort of, uh, the, the majority of how we played that cricket would, would almost seamlessly go into 50 over cricket over a slightly longer period. So the whole winter was based around how we're going to play our, our, our T20 stuff. Um, and the batters focused on, uh, rotating strike where their boundary option was and the bowlers looked very much at what their what their best delivery was and then what their two or three other options were so the whole winter was based around white ball cricket and um, we discussed what we'd need how we're going to play what sort of scores we want to get on certain grounds what grounds we're playing at so the, the focus was very much on that and I thought we had a really good T20 campaign actually we really benefited from hammering first two games from Oxfordshire uh, which put us in our place and we had to work out quickly where we were. But to come back from that and win the next five should have qualified us really. And then we we, we we stuffed up the last game against Bedfordshire. But as a process to win five of those eight games put us in a really good position, we felt, going into the white ball comp. And we'd have certainly taken that at the start, albeit, you know, we'd have liked to have got to finals day. So just, just stepping away from the Berkshire uh, emphasis just for a second, what you've obviously been in, involved in, uh, national counties and previous to that minor counties cricket for a long period of time now. What, you, what was your view on the standard of T20 cricket? Because we've talked about that a lot and I've certainly got my opinions and I've heard other opinions, but what's yours? Uh, outstanding. It's probably the best, the most difficult competition to win. And I certainly wouldn't have said that in the last six years. Um, it's something we'll be prioritising winning next year and maybe we haven't done that in previous years. Our previous ideas uh, prior to this year has certainly been some senior players, Tom Nugent, Richard Morris, James Morris, Chris Petplow had kind of stepped away from playing in that. And we were going to use it as a, to play a younger side. Uh, obviously, COVID affected that. Uh, but this year, we, as I said, we focused our, all our, our, our attention on the T20 comp. And we made it very clear that would we have our professionals available um, in Jack Davies or Tom Scriven or Toby Albert 
uh, and actually saved Zabe, who was um, sort of offered himself to us as he couldn't play for Bucks. We had the opportunity to play them. We would play them because we wanted to get off to a good start to the summer and we wanted to respect that competition because most other teams would do the same. So I think the T20 competition was the, the strongest competition out of the three um, and it set the season for national counties up really well. And again, it will certainly be something that we focus on wanting to get to and succeed at finals day next year. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And I think everybody we've spoken to um, that, that saw the T20 competition ag agrees with that. Um, so you talked about the momentum you took from the T20 into the one-day competition, and obviously that proved a success for you. Um, you played the third final on the trot against Cumbria. Um, how how did you prepare for that? Obviously playing the same team. What was that like from from your perspective? Uh, interesting. I mean, we've, we've had it quite a lot, obviously, and maybe we have the experience of doing that. Lincolnshire, we played three years running in the championship. So I guess in a way there was an, an experience of knowing who we were playing against. But... I think in terms of Cumbria, they were quite different. I think there was only four guys that were um, that played the year before. Or was it seven? And there was four from the from the, the previous year in eighteen. So you still got lots of work. So I think the, the 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 streaming of games is massive for coaches this year. Um, we could get coverage of people bowling so that it wasn't a shock to batters, and then have a look about how they go about things. So we we shared a lot of video footage of the players we were playing against, and we got as much information as we could. We I know enough people in cricket who play in the Eastern Division against Cumbria SI, uh, used their uh, knowledge of those players and, and we shared it with the boys and don't want to give too much information, but there's enough information there so that what they see on the day wasn't a shock. Um, but really, when it gets to a final, we've always been one for don't change anything, don't overthink it, um, let the opposition potentially do that. They had stuff to figure out in their head. Uh, they obviously didn't want to go three from three. Um, so as I sort of said before the final, I think that made them really dangerous that they didn't want to lose, which, which put a lot of pressure onto us. So those were the sort of ways we repaired, but not not too much different. Once we'd done all the prep work out the way, the message was, it's Wormsley, get there, don't take any pitches. It's another game of cricket and get on with it. And hopefully that experience of previous year sets us in good stead. Yeah, absolutely. And the sort of final point on this sort of transition from competition to competition, I suppose the white ball to the white ball is relatively easy. The, the skills are, are fairly similar. It's just a slightly longer format. But going from that one day um, success into the, the, the four days, uh, the three days stuff, sorry, how, how did you work that out? Uh, pretty straightforward, really. It's not fixed. It's not broke. Don't fix it. Was my message to Dan. I'll go with whatever you want in white ball cricket, mate, and I'll back you 100%. But red ball cricket is our bread and butter and always has been and that's our focus and we know how that works and I thought that was the, the biggest compliment I can play to pay to Dan was that he went along with that and said look yep you know how to do Red Bull cricket um, we bat long time we allow the, the pitch to depreciate uh, we go heavy with spin um, and, and, and we show the, the sort of Red Bull game the respect it deserves so we didn't change at all in that and I, I, that, I thought a lot of Dan for that at times there were times to be positive and you know, I let him speak at those times. It'd be good to push on, but you know, we had the the plans in place from from Jimmy and and, and Richie's reign, and that didn't need to change. We just needed to do it better than we did the year before. Excellent. Well, it's obviously been a really good year. I suppose you've not had much time to to sort of look back on on it. But um, have you have you started planning for the winter and what's that what's that going to look like? Similar, I think. Um, the boys know they'll be in by the 1st of December and they know they'll be running up some hills and getting the fitness side of things right again. It's a legacy probably yourself started and um, and others have gone on to, to take into place. Dewey Davidson has a big part to play in this season's success and everything's gone before and he set a standard, of, a physical standard that's expected of the lads so they know what to look forward to from December the 1st. Playing-wise, I think we've built an unbelievably good squad. Um, it would be very hard push to say it's the best squad we've ever had but the new young lads that have come in are going to be here for a long time Johnny Connell and Imran Malik uh, Charlie Dunnett look like exceptional cricketers who we hope will, will flourish with us but also might go into to um, you know standards above us as well so not, not much needs to change it, it worked out as well as I could have hoped we don't need to be bringing other players in we certainly won't be considering a pro we're glad that we didn't go down that route um, and we continue to back the young lads so it should be a good summer but I'm looking forward to a few months off I'll be honest <laughs> Can I can I just ask to chip chip in just just briefly if I may um, because from an outsider's perspective one of the things that that we admire is the model that you have with that fantastic Falkland setup and you've got the board and everything all under one roof how much does all of that in other words all being together contribute to your success oh hugely and the, you know ten years ago we we kind of started this and when I was asked to do the job 
at that time, it was players from the outside. It was money being spent on players. Um, we put all that money back into building, uh, you know, a, a pathway that could produce players. And we came together with the board to support us in that. So without their support, we wouldn't be where we are. Um, and a real big emphasis was put on, you need senior players and there, there might be one or two outside the county that, that can make the younger players better. But in the main part, we try to produce our own players um, and yeah, did we did we not have the board supporting that and financing the the, the program alongside the ECB to produce our own? Then we wouldn't be where we are today. So that that's the the bedrock of our success is built around that. Awesome, good stuff. Well, uh, you say you're going to have a couple of months off. Well, you're not really, are you? Because I've well, no, true. I've roped into coaching the ECC team again, um, following the success last year, and uh, and and Dan will captain that team again. And I think with you on just before. We let you get back to your your walk um, in in Windsor, where I know you are now. Um, thought it'd be a good time to to announce our squad because we've we've been obviously going going through a lot of detail this year. We've had a lot of help from a lot of the coaches around the country to ensure that we've got the right players in this team. Um, and we went back obviously to the T10 T20 tournament because being a T10 comp, it's the it's the closest one. So we want to make sure that we've got the right players in this, and we feel like we've. Um, not to speak for you, but I think we feel like we've had a really good um, sort of process that we've been through. Um, and we've got to a stage now where we've certainly got 12 names down. <laughs> we've got a couple of uh, couple of injury doubts, but uh, certainly we can we can announce 12 of the 13 lads that are going to go. Um, so if I just do that quickly and then we can get your thoughts on, finally on, on the tournament that's coming up and how we're going to go about defending yep. the title we won last year. So... Uh, as I've just said, Dan Lincoln's going to captain the team. Uh, he did a brilliant job last year, and like you said, he's done a good job for you guys. Uh, we've got Harrison Ward from Oxfordshire, Tom Bevan from Wales National County, Elliot Callis from Bucks, uh, Ben Claydon from Suffolk, Tom Keys from Lynx, Andy Rushton from Berkshire, Michael Finnan from Cheshire, Arthur Godsall from Wiltshire, Sam Pierce from Wales National County, Alex Russell from Herefordshire, and Jaffa Chalam from Berkshire as well. And like I said, we've got one more to add into that, which we'll finalise in the coming days. Um, but firstly, just quickly, your thoughts on that squad? Yeah, very good. Um, I think first, and you'd, you'd say the same, mate, thank you to the guys that helped us out with that. This process has been pretty thorough for the last four or five months. We've had, from memory, mate, two or three Zoom calls with other National Counties coaches and board members to get their views on how things should uh, play out moving forward and selection criteria and everyone was very helpful in that regard in terms of player identification but also getting a good feel for what national counties people thought of what we're doing and firstly I think what I was happy to hear the reflection of I think those that went last year should should have the opportunity to go back do we see it appropriate um and I supported that and I was, it was, I was pleased to hear that the other guys on the call did as well um and then looking at the squad, we just looked at what, what sort of things maybe we, we didn't have that we needed last year. So uh, leg spin was clearly very, very big part of our success. So to be able to get one more in there as another option was good. We looked at left arm seamers. We didn't have that last year. Um, so in terms of finning, we've managed to get that in as well, which is good. So just a few tweaks here and there. And then obviously guys with the experience of having gone and succeeded last year will be invaluable because we don't have the luxury of the qualifying group to figure stuff out. We go straight into what we would hope and, and believe will be a stronger competition with Scotland and Ireland in the competition as well. Um, and they've got to qualify out of their groups to be fair and figure it all out. But we know how strong Belgium were. Um, and yeah, so it should, it should be a very, very exciting competition. And we've, we've had to make a few changes to make sure we're competitive again. Yeah, absolutely. So we leave on the 8th of October. Um, Come back on the 16th and, and the Monday to the Friday in between those dates are when we uh, are when finals week is. It starts on Monday. Uh, there's four weeks of group stages to be played uh, with five teams in each of those four groups. And then the winner from each team will get to the finals day and it will make up with us um, adding to the finals week. We'll make up the five teams that will compete for the title. So, yeah, I, I'm certainly looking forward to it. I think we've got a fantastic squad. Um and yeah, it's going to be it's going to be another really good week. Uh, like you said, last year was fantastic. I think everybody had mixed sort of uh, ideas and perceptions of what that tournament was going to look like. Um, but having been there, and I know this is definitely the view of all the lads that went, it was an incredibly well done tournament, very professional, uh, and the standard was incredibly high. 
So I hope that did come across from people watching, and I'm sure that the lads that went have, have spoken about it really fondly. Uh, and obviously, winning it was the sort of cherry on top, really. And we'll certainly be looking to do that again this year. We're not certainly, we're definitely not going to to take part. We're going to win and defend our title. So um, it would be it would be good to to sort of get into that. We've got a few weeks just to dot the i's and cross the t's, so to speak. But um, that's great. And thanks a lot for for joining us. Tom, uh, congratulations on this year. Uh, obviously done very well. And we'll um, no doubt we'll hear from you when we get back from Spain um, and, and on how we've gone this year as well. No problem. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. All your National Counties Cricket Association news. The NCCA podcast with Jim Law and Richard Logan. So some, uh, yeah, ECC sounds pretty interesting there, Rich. Yeah, it is. And I think it's something that I've certainly been looking forward to going back to it for 12 months because it was, as I said then, it was such a great tournament and such a well-run tournament. And with the addition, uh, as Tom mentioned there, of, of Scotland and Ireland, I think it's going to be a really competitive uh, tournament. And it's certainly going to be a hell of an effort if we go back there and defend the title. That's obviously our aim. But we will see, um, uh, obviously, the tournament starts on Monday. So we'll be watching that Um to see how the how the guys play this year, um, I know there's an introduction of potentially some uh, floodlit games as well, um, and just so people know that the start times are slightly different to last year. Uh, each there's five games per day. Uh, they start at 11:30, 1:30, 3:30, 5:30, and 7:30, and then I think we'll be playing a couple of games on each of those days as you do through the group sort of the start the first three days and then there's eliminators and all kinds of things that go on in the last couple of days so yeah it's going to be a really exciting tournament um keep it keep abreast of our social media and um, because we'll let you know uh, where you can watch those games and we'll be sending out uh, information about that over the coming weeks but yeah really exciting really excited about the, the sort of new additions to the squad um and also uh, the players really that have, that have performed well in the T20 and deserve to go back um, as well this year. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be a really good uh, well, week, I think. I think as well if we can sort the um, technology out, I think we'll put you on the spot a little bit there. Get you uh, get you giving us some on the spot analysis, shall we? Or diary according to Richard Logan. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 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 all for that, and it would be good to get the insight of the players to see how it uh, one from the lads that were there last year to see how it compares, and also to the new boys because it's. Um, it is a baptism of fire, I must admit, and we learned a lot in that first week of qualifying. So it's actually uh, it's going to be fairly challenging that we don't have that to get into. Um, but we'll 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 make the most of that, and um, it'll be good to get some insight from from like I said, the guys that went last year, but also uh, the new boys that are in the squad this year. Great stuff. Well, don't you worry about us. You enjoy the sunshine. Terrific. Okay, uh, we should mop up the uh, MVP for the year, shouldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. So, as as everyone knows, because we talk about it a lot, we've got MVPs that we run through the whole year. And I think, uh, having spoken to the lads, and actually, I've had a few messages off some since the end of the season saying, "Oh, can who's won the MVP? Who's this? Did I end up at the top? Did I do this?" And so, I think the players are really engaged in it, which was obviously the main the main target, and 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 actually get uh, something in place that um, that worked out that what the. the as it says, the most valuable player, where it wasn't just the leading run scorer, the leading wicket taker, but it takes everything into consideration. And, and although it is a secret algorithm that I'll never tell anybody about, um, <laughs> it is also, it is it, it does pick out the best players. I think everybody can see that and it gives everybody an opportunity um, to really add. And, and I think that the key people in that are the wicket keepers as well, because they're kind of forgotten a little bit in, in when you talk about leading run scorers and wicket takers. Um, they play a really key role and actually... Uh, and we'll review this in the next few weeks as well of the, the run scorers, wicket takers. A lot of those are batters, uh, a lot of those are wicket keepers, sorry, that are at the top of the batting batting list as well, which seamlessly takes us into the T20 MVP. Um, and we talked about this at the end of the tournament, but just to recap on that, we had the top three players. In third place was Harrison Ward from Oxfordshire, who had a really great uh, T20 campaign. In second place, Tom Keaston, like I've just said, he's a wicketkeeper for Lincolnshire. Uh, he finished in second place and a wicketkeeper was at the top as well. And that's your uh, Cheshire's Rob Semi. So he is the T20 MVP for 2022. Um, obviously, he's had a fantastic year, hasn't he? Not just yeah. in 20, yeah. but in everything. So, yeah, he finished at the top of the T20 table. Um, so well done to Rob. 
getting into the next white ball competition, um, this was really, really close. And we actually have a three-way tie for third place. Um, uh, and that is the second place uh, player from the T20, Tom Keast, Ollie Brecken from Dorset and Dan Lincoln, again, who kept a wicket a little bit in the one-day comp for Berkshire. They all finished on 30 points. Um, the second placed player in the one-day competition was also a wicketkeeper, and that's Oxfordshire's captain, John Cater. He finished on 35 points, but in first place and kind of, taking himself away from all those uh, chasing players uh, in the final with an 84 and a couple of wickets was Ewan Woods. He finished on 46 points and is the MVP for the one-day competition this year. Didn't have a bad end of the season either, did he? He didn't. He didn't. And that sort of takes us into the final one and the, and the championship MVP, which was, which was, again, really tightly fought. There was people coming into the top three and leaving. Um, but there's some there's some really really great performances by the three guys that are in in the top three here in third place from Cheshire Dave Wainwright and you'll obviously know better than most how well he's done contributed both with bat and ball consistently through that championship campaign um, as we've just spoken about in the one day competition Ewan Woods won that but he ended up in second place in the championship as well and didn't quite have the time. Uh, to get through, although he did score very heavily in the final, uh, scoring 120 and taking a, a, a wicket and a catch as well, I think. So, yeah, Ewan Woods ended up in second place in the Championship on 56, but I don't think anybody can argue with the MVP in the Championship. Um, and this is pretty special, seeing as uh, he bats down the order, and he's not a wicketkeeper, obviously, but uh, with 40 wickets in four games, and we talked a lot about it through the season, uh, Matt Siddle, um, with 59 points was I think a clear MVP in the championship this season so well done to well done to Matt and well done to Ewan and Rob as well for their MVP titles in the other two competitions but um, it's been it's been really really exciting and enthralling to see uh, the MVP develop through each of the competitions and uh, yeah it's been I, th I think it's a I think it's a really great addition to what we do yeah no I, I agree it's great following it through the uh through the summer and well done to you for uh crossing the t's dotting the i's and uh getting those algorithms working yeah no, great no. watching smoke coming out your ears mate well so. it just it keeps my brain engaged that is for sure <laughs> great stuff uh okay um that's us done and dusted just about i think isn't it um bit of unfinished business to do uh talk about i guess with with chris drew we left people dangling a couple of weeks ago or so uh, did you manage to find out the five countries no, I didn't. I've got. A, <laughs> I've got. A, I've got. A, uh, I, I can. I. Uh, I haven't managed to. I haven't managed to find them. So I'm very, very keen to know who they are. Okay, here's Chris. So Chris, just remind us about the Wimborne, the wet Wimborne score box quiz of last week. Okay, then we set the quiz that said using only capital letters of the alphabet and those that cannot be coloured in. So nothing that has is surrounded by a complete and utter border sorry about my phone um name five countries um we were set this quiz by the umpire over lunch and managed to get all five answers uh the first one actually coincided with lunch that day carrots <laughs> not carrots no it was chili yes um, the second one, I think, was found relatively easily by um, my co-host here. Um, James came up with Fiji. Yes. So that was our second one. For the... Which one came? Oh, the uh, long 12-letter one. Right, the third one. This, this was me, actually. Cause yep. it's, and it's a biggie. It was actually Liechtenstein. So... If you spell that out, if you can, um, you'll discover that you can't colour it in at all. The third one, fourth, uh, one, fourth, fourth one. one, sorry, we were given a little bit of a clue as to location or approximate location. In other words, what continent it was on. Um, I got that one and came up with Yemen. Yep. So that was the fourth one. And the final one uh, that we managed to eventually pluck from the air uh, was the Seychelles. That was Sean. Sean that Lilly, was Sean that yes. Lily managed to find that one. So there you are. Between three of us, we uh, we came up with all five over lunch. 
it's incredible the things you get up to in a score box well, on a wet yeah. Monday in yeah. Wimborne. Absolutely, and uh, we're on full display here, so nothing untoward, I can assure you. But, <laughs> Thank yeah. you, Chris. Okay, it's really good. So there's your answer. All sorted. Brilliant. Try that out on somebody else. I can sleep, <laughs> I can sleep easy now. You can, can you can. Right, okay, Maggie. Well, look, thank you. Um, we're back shortly, aren't we? Yeah, we are. And we've got lots to, lots to do through the winter, as always. We've already started planning um, the fixtures for 2023. We want to get those to the counties as quickly as we can. Uh, there's obviously a few things just to tie off with those. We've got lots of reviews to do to ensure that we are looking at areas that we can improve, as always, uh, and implement those things throughout the winter. Um, we've got other uh, reviews with the ECB and everything else. So, yeah. Lots and lots of stuff to do over the next few months. Um, and no doubt before we know it, we'll we'll be in January and February and we'll be talking about the season starting again. So it's uh, it really is an all round, all year round um operation now and it, and it and it's great. It's it's busy all, all year and, and we'll uh, we'll be talking to a lot of the counties to get their feedback on stuff. Um and we've got a members forum meeting coming up in October as well, which is always really beneficial to get um to get sort of first hand insight from the counties and uh, and like I said, we're always looking to improve what we do. Um, but yeah, maybe a, a, a little bit of uh, downtime for a couple of weeks. But yeah, we'll soon be back into it. Um, obviously, we've got the trip to Spain and then and then the members forum after that. So yeah, a busy time to, to come still. And I know you get 20 counties all throwing stuff at you. So perhaps uh, some of those uh, more regular questions, if you like, you can collate and we can perhaps uh, talk about them as the as winter goes on. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely, we want to make sure we're keeping people filled in on what's going on in the back end, as well as uh, as well as with all the cricket throughout the summer. It's always an exciting time when those fixtures come out, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go put your feet up, and uh, thank you. And uh, I guess well done to everybody on a, on a on a cracking season, all in all, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I know we said it; we've been through the summer, but the the season takes a lot of effort from a lot of people um so a massive thank you to everybody that involved that's involved in all the counties because yeah it's a it's a pretty full-on uh few months with the cricket going on and and organizing the the grounds and the teams and everything else and and yeah we, we're obviously run by a huge army of volunteers generally so it's um yeah it's a massive thank you to everybody because it just wouldn't happen without them so yeah it's probably Thanks. a good way to finish okay mate. well done Perfect. We'll catch you later. Thanks, mate. The National Counties Cricket Association want to hear from you. We're running podcasts throughout the season aiming to bring you all the news from across the counties, previewing and reviewing games and talking to key contributors from on and off the field. And of course, we want to hear from you. Tell us what's happening, give us your views on anything NCCA and be our eyes and ears across the country. Anything you want to hear? Anybody we should be speaking to? Keep up to date with what's happening at nationalcountiesca.co.uk and email us at info at nationalcountiesca.co.uk. From Northumberland to Norfolk, Cumbria to Cornwall, we've got National Counties Cricket covered.